If you ever find yourself asking, which lens should I buy next? Here's a primer to help you upgrade from your kit lens to your best lens. We're talking lenses on episode 95 of the Shutterbug Life podcast. You're listening to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. It's a place for beginners to enthusiast photographers. You want to get better, you want to create something special, but you don't necessarily want to be a full-time pro. Well, join me every week as we talk about strategies for creating great pictures, building an audience, and making an impact with your images. I'm your photo coach and host, Linford Morton, but of course, you can call me Lynn. Let's have some fun. This is our Shutterbug Life. Hi there. Welcome to episode 95 of the podcast. Here's what I found. It doesn't matter if you've been shooting for two weeks or 20 years. Most photographers are constantly mulling the question, which lens should I buy next? Well, today I want to talk about an an upgrade path, and it'll take you from your default kit lens through your ideal lens, whatever that might be. I've been thinking about this topic all week, and I've been coming up with all these ideas about how I want to talk about lenses and, uh, and, and how we might think about upgrading and the questions we might ask. And then I found, after looking through my site, that I had recorded the exact same story several years ago. The information is still good and relevant, so why reinvent the wheel? I'm going to share it with you today. The original was recorded as a screencast video, and you can still view the screencast on the show notes page for episode 95. And so you can listen to this if you're listening to it in iTunes, but if you want to see the the visual version of it, just go to uh, shutterbuglife.com forward slash podcast and uh, look for episode 95. Now, if you're, if you're ever there, if you're listening to this, you know, long after this has been recorded and is the most current podcast, there's a little search bar on the right of the, of the podcast page. Just put episode 95 in that search bar and hit return and it'll pull it right up. That search bar is very responsive, and I use it all the time for myself when I'm looking for things on the site. So that's just a tip for you if you are uh, listening to this sometime in the future. Episode 95, and you'll also be able to watch the video as well as listen to the podcast. All right, so with that aside, let's talk about your lens upgrade path. But today we're going to talk about upgrading your lenses. So chances are when you bought your first DSLR, it came with this lens we call the kit lens. And the kit lens is sort of a, a nickname we have for a basic lens, which is, you know, great if you're just starting out with your new camera and you're getting around and you're learning how to shoot. But as you continue to shoot, you quickly find that it, that it becomes limiting and that 
while it's fun, they're just very specific things that kit lens won't be won't do for you. Which then always leads to the question I get asked when I teach photo tours uh, in Washington, D.C. at my photo tour business, phototourdc.com. And I find people always ask, well, okay, I have this lens. I'm just starting out. Which one do I go for next? And to really answer that question best, we have to take a step back and make sure we understand how we discuss lenses. Because if you understand the nomenclature we, we use, then you can begin to make intelligent decisions about your next lens. Now, for most of us, we, you, for most photographers and camera manufacturers, there are two sets of numbers we use when we talk about lenses. And an easy way I find to remember them is to think about it in terms of distance versus speed. Distance is the focal length or the numbers you see on the image on your left, which basically tells you how close you're bringing the subject to you. And then there are some other effects that you get as a result of that. But generally speaking, you go with a longer lens for greater distance if you want to bring that closer to you or the effect of it in the image you're creating. And the second number I refer to as speed. And speed refers to the widest your aperture will open when you're taking an image. So we know that the f-stop or aperture measures how wide the shutter opens when it opens and closes for a photograph, and different lenses will let it open to different widths. And the widest it will open is what we call, when it opens very wide, we call that a fast lens. And this becomes the holy grail for lots of photographers, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So distance is the focal length, speed is how wide or how fast the lens will open. Now let's talk about this in relationship to the kit lens. When you buy a, a camera, um, usually in the consumer entry level and you know enthusiast, some enthusiast level cameras will come with a default lens we call the kit lens. And the kit lens is is we talked about distance and speed. Your kit lens at first the distance. It's a zoom lens that opens from 18 millimeters to 55 millimeters. Now, for most of our consumer level cameras, that's a wide angle to a little closer than what your eye would naturally see, just a, a little bit of a zoom. And, and, and so this is the full range of what you will get in terms of the distance or the focal length of your kit lens. And then, of course, then the other number you see there will be what I called speed, which is how fast the lens is. Meaning, you, you will see on the front of your lens, most cameras, that you will open from f3.5, the aperture, to f5.6. And what that means is, the widest your aperture will open will be f3.5. But that will only be at 18 millimeters when it's at co co at a completely wide angle setting. Now you'll find that if you set your can your your camera while this lens is on it to f 3.5 and you open and you zoom back to 18 millimeters, you'll see that okay goes to f 3.5. Now at that point, if you zoom your lens, like turn the zoom ring on your camera all the way to 55 millimeters, you'll see that number changes. It's no longer going to be 3.5 because 
it, 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 it begins to change as you zoom in. So at the 55 millimeter, at the other end of the spectrum, the widest it will open will be f5.6. So you, you can't get 3.5 that wide at the throughout your complete zoom. But as you zoom, if you get your camera now and, and, and just do this exercise, open it to 3.5, zoom it back to 18 millimeters, and then zoom in to 55 millimeters, you'll see that the smallest it opens will then become 5.6, which, as we would say, is fairly slow because we're not letting in as much light. So this is what you get a kit lens. This is what you get in a kit lens. Now, you know, what, what is it good for? Well, if you are shooting where there's lots of light and you can get close to your subject, you'll find that the kit lens will be just fine for you in most situations. And I, I say, you know, lots of light because remember when we zoom in, it can only let in up to f5.6 which is, as we said, not very wide. So we call that fairly slow. And because the 18 to 55 is not much of a zoom, you're going to have to actually walk closer to your subject if you want to fill the frame with it, which I'm hoping you'll want to do because that's a great composition tip. So this is what a kit, your kit lens is good for. So if you have it, you'll find that you will maximize the utility of your lens if you stick to uses where there's lots of light, or if you can get physically close. Now, of course, I'm, I'm ignoring the fact that you might, in low light, be able to use a flash. That's a whole different conversation, whether or not you'll want to use that pop-up flash. But generally speaking, let's stick to lots of light where you can get physically close. And so if that's where it's good, where is it challenging? Well, the opposite, right? If you are in a low light situation, this image here is in a, in a, a, a sort of restaurant club and where the band is playing and you see what happens when you go in with a, a, a lens where you can't, you know, you get to slow down, you, know, you get a much slower shutter speed, which of course leads to this blurring effect, which was, you know, not too bad for what he was doing. But generally speaking, if you are indoors in a museum, for instance, or a big cathedral or somewhere where there's low light and where they discourage use, the use of flashes or any external light, you're going to have a challenging time shooting that with your kit lens. So just to recap, it will be challenging when there is low light and you can't use a flash. It will be challenging if your subject is far away. And it's challenging for specific genres like portraits, where you typically want to get a shallow depth of field. It's going to be a little more challenged there. Now, here's the thing. Once you run into these roadblocks, people, lots of people just want to go out and buy and experiment with different lenses. And, and there's so many options out there. You could literally go broke just collecting different lenses. And so if you don't have that kind of an unlimited budget, you've got to sort of give yourself a decision tree for when and how you upgrade. And I've got two really simple answers for you. When do you upgrade? To overcome a specific photography challenge. And we'll talk about some of those in a second. But 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 you saw the challenges we, we just ran ran over. If there's low light, if there is um if you're far away, if you're trying to get shallow depth of field for portraits or something specific like that. Um and if this is something you're going to be shooting regularly and or if you are doing something either sort of hobbyist or even trying to make money with your camera, you're going to want to think about upgrading at some point. 
And then the other thing is if you're if you're looking into a specific genre of photography, and that's the other way because specific lenses work better for specific situations. And so if you've decided after walking around with your kit lens for, you know, however long it takes that I I I think that I want to be a bird photographer. Then now you you can decide which lens you want to go and get. So this is not when, but it also tells you which lens you go for next, which is, of course, the premise of our conversation. So, for instance, if you're walking around, here's the challenge with this short zoom. If you're too far away, it's great for just walking around, but it's tough for faraway subjects. So this is the other challenge. And then the challenge we talked about low light. If you, the problem you have there is, remember, it's, we said it's a slow lens, meaning it can't open wider. So you, you need to open m- much wider to let more light in. So, for instance, when your lens is zoomed into 55 millimeters, you and it opens to 5.6, it doesn't let a lot of light in. So there are other, there's another kind of lens called a fast prime, meaning, meaning there's no zoom on it. However, it opens much wider. So you'll have to zoom with your feet, but they usually start, let's say, at f1.8. And for that price, it's probably the best value you'll get if you want to shoot in a lot of low-light situations. So let's say you have a 50-millimeter f1.8, which is a pretty standard fast prime lens. They come faster than that. You know, you can get them at 1.4 and 1.2, but 1.8 is the basic where that lens will be sort of begin at the lowest um, entry point in terms of price point. So let's say you have that. You're out there with 1.8 and your kit lens only opens to 5.6 at, you know, at at a similar uh, focal length, 55 millimeters. The difference in light is 12 times as much between 5.6 and 1.8. That's 12 times more light you'll be you'll have access to, which means that can mean the difference between whether or not you need a flash or a tripod. And then the other challenge you'll need you'll have is the trying to if you decide you want to create a shallow depth of field. Now you can do that with your kit lens, but you're going to have to get very close because generally speaking, if you want to create a shallow depth of field, you'll need a very wide aperture or a long focal length, or you'll have to get very close to your subject. So you can max out 5.6 at 55 millimeters, but then you'll have to get very close to your subject to get an effect like this. Whereas if you had something like a fast prime, which we talked about, the ones that don't zoom, but they have very, very fast lenses, meaning 1.8, 1.4, 1.2. So if you have that, you wouldn't have to get as close to create as uh, as dramatic an effect as this. And of course, professional zoom lenses, when you zoom in, unlike your kit lens, they hold the f-stop, meaning it doesn't change if you zoom from 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 wide angle to to your your telephoto. It will hold the same and it's usually at 2.8 in a professional zoom lens. So if you invest in that, you can still get the best of both worlds, meaning you can zoom in, which will create the shallow depth of field and hold your low F, your your wider aperture or the lower number in your F-stop to create even more of an effect. So that's how you'll overcome that challenge. So let's talk about some of the alternatives to help us with that. Some good medium level 
alternatives, meaning you're ready to upgrade now and you're not sure which one to go to. Remember, we saw distance versus speed. So for distance, the two lenses on top are fairly standard and you can get other very, you know, variations of them. This is, these are just 18 to 200 millimeters all in one lens. So the focal length will take you from a wide angle, which is 18 millimeters, all the way to 200 millimeters, which is a telephoto range, which brings this faraway subject much closer to you and allows you to begin to create some shallow depth of field. Most of these lenses will run you somewhere between six to $900, depending on the brand you choose. But when, the good thing you have is it gives you twice as much distance or even more than that as you've got in your kit lens. Remember the kit lens went from 18 to 55 and you can go from 18 to 200 and some manufacturers will let you go to 270 or even 300 millimeters. So you get this long range. So now you're not changing lenses as frequently as you would if you had the 18 to 55 and also paired it with the 55 to 200 as many other kits do. And it, it's it's a pain in the neck when something when magic happens in front of you and you've got the wrong lens on your camera. This allows you to make sure that you are ready for anything. Great for travel, great for walking around, and just just being ready for the widest variety of situations. We talked about the fast prime lens, and that's the two you see on the right, the fifty millimeters f. 1.8 in both the Nikon and Canon versions. And these, I think, are probably the best value lens and a must-have for any serious photographer. I say that because for the value, which is about 150-ish on Canon and 220-ish on Nikon, you will get so much utility from these lenses, it's worth it compared to what typical lenses cost. If you start shopping for lenses, you know that those prices get to two and three and four digits pretty quickly. And this is probably the least expensive lens you can you'll find will get that will give you this much value. And when I say that I mean that you can again do all three things if you don't mind zooming with your feet or walking back and forth you'll be able to get walk over to your subject, get a very shallow depth of field, and low light still be able to hold your camera without using a flash or a tripod and still get great images. So long zooms for medium cost alternatives to your kit lens, you might consider, just generally speaking, if you can, pair them. A long zoom with a fast prime, I think, makes for a great combination for any an enthusiast photographer. Meaning you'll get an 18 to 200 or 18 to 300 or 270, depending on what, what you have available to you, and you'll get a fast prime. And so you'll get the 50 millimeters, which is pretty standard, or you can get 35 millimeters. Now, 35 millimeters will look to you just like the eye sees it. Meaning if you look across a room at someone with the 50 millimeter on one of the entry-level cameras, when you raise the camera and look through your viewfinder, they'll look a little closer to you. There'll be a little zoom on it. But if you don't like that, if you're going to be shooting in, in, in close spaces, then a 35 might be a better alternative for you because it'll look just like your eye sees it. But any one of these will, will be a great start because what they'll give you is the opportunity to shoot in a wide variety of situations and create dramatic effects. Now, let's say you want to invest more than that. You, you want you want to be 
Um, think about this as a potential business, for instance, or you're just a serious enthusiast and you want the best quality alternative. One thing you might consider are professional Zooms. And these are the ones I talked about when I said, as you Zoom from, you know, wide angle to telephoto, the F-stop holds and doesn't, and doesn't restrict you any. And so the 24 to 70 is considered more of a workhorse for most professional photographers and it's a great walk around where you have the best of both worlds, meaning you can hold a wide open aperture as well as holding it throughout the zoom and not losing anything that there. Now, these probably run you somewhere between $1,800 to $2,100, which is why you know most people who are making money will look to them or people who are just, as I said, you know, serious enthusiasts because it's quite an investment. And then the other pair you'll find with these um, to cover the rest of the way is a 70 to 200 millimeter. And again, holds at F2.8. These are great for portraits. Um, these are you know great for events because you can stay far away and still get a lot of light in as you zoom in. And then the other thing that it's it's you know it's good for because for portraits is because the long focal length will allow you to really blur a background out, which makes for really really uh, uh, dramatic portraits. And the other thing is the glass on these these four cameras or these two twenty the twenty four to seventy and a seventy to two hundred. The quality of the glass inside the lens is probably top notch for both for most manufacturers. So in addition to getting um, the the light you're looking for, you're also getting, you know, top quality optics. So these are top of the line, and you probably should look to spend 2000 to north of 2000 for either of these lenses. The good thing about this is they'll, they'll last you forever. You know, once you buy lenses, they're, you know, they're an investment that you'll use. You'll change your camera every three to five years, but the lenses will, will just continue to churn away. And so that's the good news. The, the other good thing is they hold their value, um, especially if you buy them on, and let's say, the Nikon, Canon or, or uh, platforms. If you sell them 10 years from now, you'll still get decent, a decent return on your investment. Now, we talked about specific genres. If you're upgrading from your kit lens and you know that you want to work on... So the other, the other examples I gave were for just general use. And if you're looking at specific genres, then you'll want to think about that as well. For sports, and especially indoor sports, you know, this is an, an unforgiving genre for the wrong lens. Because if you are indoors and there's low light and your subjects are moving quickly and are moving fast, it's going to be next to impossible to get something good from your kit lens. You're going to want to do sort of like the lenses we looked at just, just last, uh, the long zooms, professional zooms, because again, they'll let you bring that subject that's far away in closer so you can fill the frame. And then the other thing you will um, you will be able to do is is keep that low f-stop so that you can get faster shutter speeds, which is something you'll need for fast-moving subjects. You know, these days, the new cameras coming off the, you know, off the the manufacturer's lines all have the the the, the holy grail of high ISO, and so that'll also help you in a situation like this if you can bump your ISO higher, you know, two thousand, four thousand, five thousand with some cameras, and still not get the amount of noise you would get in a similar camera five years ago or six years ago. 
So if you're looking for sports, you're looking for something like that. If you're doing macro photography, then you, of course, each of the lines will have their own in ranges that from you can get them from 40 millimeters on up to close to 200 millimeters. It depends on how close you want to be to the subject. But of course, when you're photographing a macro, you're looking for small subjects like this, and you want to be able to get relatively close to them, fill the frame, and have it represented at a one-to-one -one ratio on your sensor. And that's what your macro lenses will do for you. If you're shooting portraits, as I said before, you probably are looking for, um, you can probably choose bef between those long zooms, the 70 to 200 f2.8s, or for fast primes, you'll want something a little longer. So like 50 if you're on the entry level, and if not, then we're looking at 85 millimeters and, and all the way up to 200 millimeters, you can get in a fast prime, meaning there, of course, there's no zoom, but you can get the low f-stop. An indoor architecture, of course, is probably you're looking at, at wider angle lenses. And, and when I say wider angle, I mean 12, 14 millimeters all the way up to close to 50 millimeters. Nature is also um, good for wide-angle lenses, and of course, the professional zooms 24 to 70 would be great for something like that, too. So if you are thinking about that, then that might be a good option for you. So just a, a recap, if you've got the kit lens, you know it's a great starter for you, but you'll soon find its limitations. And so you want to start thinking about upgrading, but you'll only upgrade when you're thinking about overcoming a specific challenge, like I want to shoot more low-light images or I want to shoot more portraits, or if you want to be better at a specific genre of photography, like indoor, um, indoor architecture or sports or something like that. This is the music you can hear on just about any given afternoon on a random street corner in the middle of the French Quarter in New Orleans. And that's why a lot of people go to that city for the music. Many people go for food. Others go for culture and nightlife. But tell you what, as photographers, we go for the photo ops. There are tons of photo ops all over New Orleans, and we try and take them all in. We go from the swamps to the cemeteries, from historic neighborhoods to the iconic French Quarter, to night shots in the river. We take it all in. And while we're there, we try and create just a wide range of different kinds of photographs that you can only get in this very special and historic city. I know New Orleans well because this is where I grew up. This is where I learned to take pictures. And so for me, it's just a treat to take you back and introduce you to the Big Easy, as it's known. Now, if you want an idea of the kinds of images you'll be able to take there, go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash New Orleans and take a look at that best of New Orleans video. I made it from the images and video snippets of our attendees, and you'll see not just the great images we can take, 
but the fun you'll have while you do it. We're going back this spring, and I hope you can join us. It will be March 30 to April 2, 2017. March 30 to April 2, 2017. Again, go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash New Orleans to learn more about it and to register. By the way, sales officially end for Photo Tour New Orleans 2017 at the end of January. That's January 31, 2017. So your time is running out. If you wanted to join us, you need to do that now. Shutterbuglife.com forward slash New Orleans will take you to the page where you can learn more information and register. And of course, if you have a question of any kind, you can just send me an email to Lynn at shutterbuglife.com. Hope to see you in the Big Easy. Well, that's it for episode 95 of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can make sure you don't miss another one by going to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. And there, if you just share your name and email address, every time there's a new episode, I'll make sure I send you a note so that you can join us. That's the easiest way to make sure you don't miss another episode. If you listen on iTunes or Stitcher, you can subscribe and follow there as well. Just look for, search for the Shutterbug Life podcast. By the way, The Shutterbug Life is more than a podcast. We are a community of friendly photographers who shoot, share, and learn together. You can join us in our Facebook group in between episodes. Just go to fb.shutterbuglife.com and introduce yourself. Share some of your work. Tell us what you like to shoot, and let's get to know you and tell us where you live and where you shoot. If you find yourself in D.C. or in New York City, we have meetups in both of those cities. They're all fun and they are free. Just go to uh, meetup.com forward slash Shutterbug Excursions or Shutterbug Excursions NY. Of course, all of these links are on the Shutterbug Life website. Finally, as I said before, you can learn with me in New Orleans, and we have a weekend workshop coming up uh, in New York City, May 4 through 7. Me and Steve Rosenbach will be taking you around the city and teaching you travel photography there. I hope I get to see and shoot and share with you one day somewhere. Until then, have fun wherever you go, whatever you do. Enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care. <laughs>